What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Today, we're talking about how to become a millionaire. Now, as you guys know, I'm all about life balance. It is about more than just money. I talk about in episode one of 109, the 13 mistakes of the new rich, how to find balance, how to travel, how to take care of yourself, your body, your life. But in this episode, we're talking about money. Because as my late professor Ray Manella used to say back at Cornell, it's better to be unhappy and rich than unhappy and poor. So I'm going to be talking about money today. And I'm going to be sharing some myths and some different statistics that might surprise you. The first one that I want to share with you is that this comes from Chris Hogan, who actually came on the show last year, I believe. He used to work with Dave Ramsey, and he did he conducted the greatest ever study, statistically, on millionaires. And what he found was about one in three millionaires never earned more than $100,000 as a household in a single working year, meaning you have a husband, you have a wife, and together, one-third of all millionaires both spouses never combined owned or, or earned over a hundred grand. And so, you know, obviously I'm going to share some different strategies in terms of how to accumulate wealth and you want to drive your income up. That will certainly get you there faster if you save and if you invest. But a lot of people think that they just need a bigger income or a bigger salary and then they'll become a millionaire. And it is so far from the truth. I used to know this guy when I worked in the hedge fund space back in New York City, and the dude was making a million, he was making over a million a year, if I had to guess. And the guy was spending over a million a year. And so there is no path to becoming a millionaire when what you have going out is greater than what you have coming in, no matter how big what you have coming in is. Also, according to Hogan's study, only about 31% of millionaires averaged even $100,000 per year total. So while salary is a factor in building wealth, it is not the biggest factor by any means of the equation. So I want to share that with you right out of the gate to say you are not disqualified from becoming a millionaire based on how much money you're making. Now, if you have a minimum wage job, you're in poverty, you're only making, you know, in tens of thousands of dollars per year. Yeah, you might want to look at uh, building up a different skill set, switching career paths, doing something like that. But I know a lot of people, for example, back in New York City, where I was living for the last 10 years, working in high finance jobs, making 400K, 500K a year, half of that being taxed by federal, state, local governments, um, you know, spending tons of money on rent expense, three, four, 5K a month in apartment rentals, not building equity in a home, not having a solid investment strategy, and ultimately just staying on a treadmill, hamster wheel financially. So... One of the other things I want to say, and this is one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes, the famous multi-multi-billionaire investor, 
is someone was interviewing Warren Buffett one time and they said, Hey man, you're worth 70, $80 billion. You're arguably the greatest investor ever of all time. And the most interesting thing is that on your website, Berkshire Hathaway publicly available online is every investor letter or annual letter that details your investment strategies, your returns, and with for free and maybe with a library card, if they wanted to read your biography and read more about your investments in Coca-Cola, American Express, et cetera, any individual can take your strategy and run with it. Now, obviously, a more sophisticated investor might say, well, you know, the market's changed. There are more market participants, more um, advanced investors, and those opportunities don't exist the way they used to. Fine. But I still say Buffett's strategy holds up. And they asked Buffett, they said, so, you know, everything's available online, everything's free. Why don't people just replicate your strategy and do what you did and become millionaires and billionaires also? And his response was, because nobody wants to get rich slow. And that's one of the things too, really to consider is the name of this podcast episode that you're listening to right now is not how to become a millionaire in a week, in a month, or even in a year. The name of this podcast episode is how to become a millionaire. Now, I don't want it to take a hundred years for you guys. So you get to the end and okay, I'm a millionaire and boom, your life is over. But this is how to become a millionaire, how to build a foundation, how to play long-term, how to accumulate and build wealth in a strategic, healthy way. I'm not saying live on the streets, eat ramen noodles every night, save every last penny. I love Dave Ramsey, but I think he's a little extreme, you know, not having any credit cards, no debt whatsoever, right? I think there's an opportunity to enjoy life a little bit more along the way, but you know, because you don't want to just save everything and not go on that trip that you should go on, not enjoy life and have good experiences along the way. But Buffett said, nobody wants to get rich slow. And that's critical here. So I'm going to share just a couple things here that I like to think about when creating wealth and becoming a millionaire, multimillionaire and beyond. And then I'm going to share some other strategies too. So the first thing that I want you to think about is there are three kind of categories here that I want you to think about. The first is income coming in. The second is your expenses going out. And the third is compounding that income or really the difference between income and expenses. So, you know, um, having a high paying job is a contributing factor in becoming a millionaire. There's no doubt about it, but it's not the number one contributing factor. The number one, according to a study, is financial discipline. Number two, investment consistency. Number three, your values from your upbringing. And number four would be a high paying job. So it's up there. It's top four high paying job, but it's definitely not number one. Like I, you know, using the analogy from earlier. So driving up your income is absolutely a contributing factor in millionaire and becoming a millionaire and in building your wealth. And so that's definitely something to examine. Considering one of the things that I love to consider is when I am fulfilling my true purpose and my calling, typically there's going to be a lot more money for me on the other side of that. So even when I worked as an investment banker, even when I worked at a hedge fund, the money was good, no doubt about it, but I make significantly, significantly more money now doing coaching and podcasting because that's what I was supposed to do. I, I took a lot of time and energy. I invested a lot in myself in personal development 
to really figure out who I really was and what impact I was supposed to have during my life. And as I faithfully pursued that and worked hard and became a business owner and built that up, I have been rewarded with growing income. So one of the ways to grow your income for sure is to consider more alignment in your career with what you're supposed to do, aligning career with mission and purpose. Now, there are many, many other ways to increase your income, um, becoming more valuable, developing a stronger skill set, evaluating your role, your position in an organization, building more boldness, assertiveness. There, there's so many different things that you can do to drive up your income, get a side hustle, second job, start a business on the side. I can go on and on and on. I'm not going to get into that. But the point is, increasing your income will significantly help you. It is the, it's a top five contributing factor, top four to becoming a millionaire. But what's also really important and what's the number one contributing factor is financial discipline. So income minus expenses equals your profit or net income, which allows you to invest, save and invest and compound. So you essentially want your income, you want to drive your income as high as you can, reduce the expenses as much as you can. That's where financial discipline comes in. And then the difference is what you can save and invest. And then what you want to do, my, my third point, so it's drive up income, drive down expenses, and then create compounding interest on the difference, which can be saving, investing in real estate, investing in stocks, bonds, cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera. But the expenses is really the number one contributing factor. It's financial discipline. And I'll give you a couple examples of things that I've done personally that have really enabled me to create wealth. One of the, I would say the biggest thing that helped me become a millionaire, other than starting my own business, maybe it's the number two thing, was buying a house last year. I lived in New York City for many, many years playing the rent game. And I remember when I first moved to New York City, I really wanted to buy a place, but I didn't have enough money for a down payment. And then I just rented and rented and rented. And then one day, one of my mentors was like, dude, why, didn't, why don't you have a house? And at that point, I had just started my business and I didn't have two years of tax returns to get a mortgage. And so I actually was able to do a bank statement loan because my business had been earning enough money where I was able to use that to help secure uh, a mortgage. And anyway, long story short, I bought a house about a year ago and that has been that's been the biggest driver of uh, my wealth creation other than starting my own business to becoming a multimillionaire and the appreciation in the home, obviously in the past year, the real estate market here in San Diego and California, all over the U S has gone up significantly. But the other critical component of it is you're driving your expenses down. You're being more financially disciplined and you're forcing yourself every month to pay into equity into a home. So every month, instead of just flushing thousands of dollars down the toilet, yes, you're paying some interest, but you're also paying every month faithfully and consistently principal building equity in a house, house, condo, townhome, whatever you want it to be for you. But that is a huge, huge way to lower your expenses and create financial discipline. Your expenses might be the same, but the result of that is creating equity and compounding your wealth. I'll give you another example. Um, a lot of people have cars in this country, obviously, and a lot of people lease cars or have large car payments. 
one of the qualities in millionaires and multimillionaires and successful people is they typically buy used cars. So my first car that I ever bought about a year and a half ago, I didn't need a car living in New York City, thankfully. So it's pretty funny that this was my first car, but it was a really nice Mercedes E-Class two-door coupe. I found a private seller online and the retail price for that car new was I think 60 or $70,000, but I found a private seller and I paid $21,000 for it and didn't have a car payment, didn't have a lease payment. I paid for it and that was it. And I was done. So I see a lot of people driving around in really expensive cars, cars that they can't really afford that they're either financing or leasing. So just consider from a financial discipline perspective, are you living beyond your means and are you having excess payments that are preventing you from saving money and having the ability to invest? Now I can go on and on about other miscellaneous expenses. I think one of the most important things that you want to consider though, is even just looking at a budget, like looking at your expenses every month, putting it all down pen to paper and figuring out what are you spending your money on? What is your income coming in every month? What is your cash flow that you get to save every month? And then what are your expenses? And just look at the difference. See if there are opportunities to grow your income. See if there are opportunities to reduce your expenses and see what the difference is. Now we get to the comp compounding section, which is we take the difference. We take our income minus our expenses and we ask ourselves, what are we going to do with this? Now, there is an article in the New York Times called Meet the Millionaire Next Door. And it is an excellent list of all different qualities. It's called Portrait of a Millionaire. And one of the things it says is we as millionaires are fastidious investors. On average, we invest nearly 20% of our household realized income each year. Most of us invest at least 15%. 79% of us have at least one account with a brokerage company, we, but we make our own investment decisions. So a lot of times people, they have financial advisors, they have different people coming to them, but having some knowledge of investing I think is really important to help you become a millionaire and you want to be involved. If you are going to have an advisor or someone helping you, you want to make sure you're up to speed and you know where your money's going and how it's working and not working for you. For example, do you know your net worth just in general? Do you know that all your assets minus all your liabilities and debts and taking your net assets? Do you know the breakdown by different category? Do you know the breakdown between real assets, between real estate, stocks, bonds, cryptocurrencies, and other? And if not, educating yourself and becoming more passionate about investing because qualities of millionaires is they invest well and they invest often and they invest a good portion of their income. So what do I recommend actually investing in? Well, you know, it really depends like any good investment investor would say, but me personally, I like to break it down into a couple different categories. So for me, it's real estate. That's my bulk right now. My number two is I'm actually holding cash, but that's mostly cash in my business. Um, my number three is equities, which is a combination of mostly single name stocks and then um, a hedge fund I'm invested in. 
Um, and then four would be cryptocurrency. So when I say investing in real estate, you know, everyone has different strategies, but assuming your net worth is under $10 million, I would highly, highly encourage you to pursue the path of becoming a homeowner or condo owner, owning your first piece of real estate and living in it. Because that's a great way to not only compound your income, but also to do so with leverage. Because you're going to have access to a loan, i.e. a mortgage, and you're going to be forced to pay that down every month consistently. And that's going to build wealth right there, the money that you're paying in every month, plus the capital appreciation on the property value over time. So I always say, make real estate a portion of your investment strategy. And if you don't own a home, buy one. If you can't do one, again, go back to income minus expenses. Then cash. I like to have cash on hand, obviously, as a business owner, based on how you feel about the stock market, where you think we're at. Some people are holding more cash, expecting more of a downturn, which they could then use to invest that money as stock prices and valuations come down. That's up to you. But for me, the next category is stock. And what most people I'm seeing are doing is they just buy the S&P 500, right? Like that is kind of the easiest way to invest in the stock market is it's, it is the market. The S&P 500 is um, an index that tracks the performance of the 500 um, of 500 large companies listed on stock exchanges in the U S it's one of the most commonly followed equity indexes. The market caps $42 trillion. And it's a combination of the best companies, many of the best companies in the U.S. So that's kind of the easy way to invest in the U.S. stock market. And there's nothing wrong with that. I would say, unless you have professional experience as a stock selector um, or financial advisor, something like that, I would say investing in the S&P 500 is, is the way to go. I personally invest in single name stocks because I used to do this professionally. I am able to take an opinion on certain companies. Um, I'm just looking right now. I really like Amazon. I like Disney a lot as a company, Google, Nike, AutoZone. These are some of the stocks that I own, um, American Express. But that's up to you if you want to do single name stock investing versus um, the index. But the S&P 500 is really uh, a, good, a great place to just get started and start investing. Um, and then as far as cryptocurrency goes, obviously, it's a very, very controversial topic. But I do, right now, I have about 1.1% of my um, assets are in cryptocurrencies. And it's uh, predominantly Bitcoin. And then it's a little bit of Ethereum and a little bit of Solana. So, you know, the actual way that you do investing, that's up to you. But I think the biggest thing is when it comes to an investing strategy, the most important thing is long-term. You got to think long-term. And, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of people doing is they are getting scared right now because yes, the S&P 500 is at all-time highs, US stock market, all-time highs, real estate market, all-time highs. And what they're saying is, I'm, I'm waiting to invest because I'm scared that things are going to come down or there's going to be a crash. And what you have to do is you have to look at 2007, right before the 08 market crash or 2000 before the 2001 crash or 1986 before the 1987 stock market crash. Yes. If you start investing now and then something crashes, then yes, what you invested will go down significantly. But if you look at the history of, of the United States economy, from every crash and downturn, we are much higher than the lowest point, or even we're much higher than that high point before the crash. 
And so you have to consider, am I trying to make a quick buck or am I investing for the long haul? Because yes, you could buy a house tomorrow for six or $700,000, a small house or condo, and then the market can crash and then it could go down to 400 or 500, but you have to think long-term. If you're thinking long-term, then you're more comfortable stepping into the arena and making an investment. So these are just all things for you to consider when going through this. I'll share a couple more statistics about millionaires. First of all, and this is all from uh, the Dave Ramsey largest study ever done on millionaires, which had 10,000 participants, Chris Hogan, heavily involved. He came on my podcast last year, but first of all, eight out of 10 millionaires invested in their company's 401k plan. So again, going back to um, the, the top contributing factors in building wealth and millionaires, number one, financial discipline. I'll just go down that list for a second too. So we have Number one, being financial discipline. Number two, being investment consistency. This is really, really important, guys. Um, I'm also a big fan of dollar cost averaging to kind of fix the problem I was talking about earlier when people are so scared, oh, we're at all-time highs. So essentially, the way you do dollar cost averaging is you continue to invest the same amount of money in the same stock or index on a regular basis over time, regardless of the share price. And what that does is it prevents you from buying too high or buying too low. It helps you lower risk. And if you consistently do it, yes, you can produce lower returns. Um, I'm sorry, holding in cash would produce lower returns. This will help you feel more comfortable investing in stocks or anything because over time, as you're, if you're consistently buying regardless of price, whether it goes up, whether it goes down, whether there's a crash, you're going to be good long-term as long as you hold long-term. And I want to share one other uh, story about investing in stocks or just investing in, in general. Um, you, the way I, <laughs> I heard this analogy once was, imagine you're walking your dog through Central Park in New York City, and you're tr starting on 59th Street on the south entrance, and you're going up to 96th Street towards the reservoir. Now, your dog, you're going to try to walk north, and your dog is constantly going to try to jerk you down south. So you go up and then he pulls you down a little bit and then you go up a little bit more and then your dog pulls you back down. And then you go up a little bit more and your dog yanks you back down. But eventually, even though you're going up, down, up, down, and there might be a time where, you know, it starts raining and then your dog goes down 10 blocks, like goes down a lot. And then it gets really sunny and your dog's cooperating and you're able to go up 30 blocks and it's a huge, just positive run. But in the end, there's going to be a lot of back and forth, but in the end, you will get to the top. And this is why it's really important to stay away from your screens and to not check or monitor prices. Bitcoin's a great example. If you look at Bitcoin today, February, 2022, it's about $41,000 per Bitcoin. I have friends who bought it for about 40,000 per Bitcoin last year. And then it went down, I remember it was a crash and it went down to 20,000 and then everyone freaked out and they got really scared. And a lot of people just sold it off. And those were the areas where a lot of other people were buying. And now it's at back of 40,000 and pe those people are kicking themselves. I'm so stupid. Why did I um, sell it at 20? I should have held it. But okay, it's at 40. I'll start buying again. And then it might crash again and then sell it again. So another Warren Buffett, I believe this is Warren Buffett quote. He says, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So when people are scared, afraid, they're thinking very short term, 
that's when you can, is a good time typically on average to step in and buy. But again, let's go down this list. So number one, contributing factor to millionaires, financial discipline. Number two is investment consistency. Create an auto buying strategy. Figure out, I don't know what brokerage account you guys are using to buy stocks, but I know in Coinbase, for example, of cryptocurrency, you can create an auto buying like every day, week or month. Like I have every week, not a lot of money. Cause again, crypto for me is 1.1% of my net worth, my net assets. And so it's not a lot of money, but I have these buys happening every week for Ethereum, Solana, Bitcoin, and just consistently purchases. And I'm not looking at the price. I'm, I have, I'm thinking, okay, long-term, I do believe in crypto long-term, but again, with very low risk profile, making a very small percentage of my portfolio, but the investment consistency, it's automatically buying for me every week. So do that for stocks and real estate. And same thing, my investment consistency in real estate is every month I'm writing a check paying down my mortgage. Number three is values from your upbringing. So you either have these values from your family or you don't. If you don't, you're listening to this right now. It's a great step. Continue to do that. Continue to invest in making your values more solid around building wealth. Number four contributing factor, high paying job. We talked about that. Number five contributing factor, investment strategy. That's why you're listening to this. Continue to understand investing. You don't just want to hand it off to someone entirely. Number six is luck. Number seven is inheritance. And number eight is real estate investments. So that's the list. And then let's go back to some additional statistics. I want to share this with you guys. The top five careers for millionaires. Now, if I just did a Google search for highest paid jobs, they're very different from the top five careers for millionaires. Highest paying jobs on average are typically doctors, not surgeons, anesthesia. Like I always remember this growing up because I always had an interest in wealth creation from a young age. And, I, and when people would ask me, what did I want to do when I grew up? I was joking, but I'd say, oh, I want to be an anesthesiologist because the average anesthesiologist makes about $208,000 per year. Or it was, at the time. I don't remember, I don't know what it is now. But when you look at these different positions, when you think about investment bankers, Wall Street, doctor, surgeon, anesthesiologist, those are the highest paying jobs. But what are the top five jobs that have the most millionaires? It's engineer, accountant, teacher, working in management, or lawyer. And what I think is so interesting is the psychology and the typical type of person that works in a lot of these jobs. They're very structured. They're very disciplined. They're good savers. They're risk averse. That's what wealth creation and becoming a millionaire is all about. It's about having consistency in your income, having discipline in your savings plan, having a long-term investment strategy, participating in 401ks, and having that consistency throughout your process. So again, I just want to ha really hammer it. It's not about being a guy at a hedge fund making a million dollars a year. It's about having consistent over time, working, saving, and investing. They said that... Um, Three out of four millionaires said that regular, consistent investing over a long period of time is the reason for their success. So the story about a young computer genius who developed an app, earned millions of dollars overnight is the exception and not the rule. Here's another important thing for you guys to hear. Millionaires are made and not born. Despite what society might've told you or what you might believe, 
it's only a very small number of wealthy people who actually inherited their money. Now it's not 0.001%. Um, because I think one in five millionaires did receive some inheritance, but only 3% received an inheritance of a million dollars or more. And here's the thing, almost 80%, I believe the statistic is 79%, 79% of millionaires in the United States received no inheritance whatsoever from their parents or anyone else in their family. So don't think that, oh, this guy is born into a rich family. I'm not, I can never become a millionaire. Four out of every five millionaires are 100% self-made. Um, another statistic that's really interesting, millionaires do go to college on average, but they don't go to elite Ivy League schools or anything like that. Um, almost two thirds of millionaires went to a public state school and only 8% of millionaires went to a prestigious private school. Up to this point, this study, you know, obviously trends are changing in terms of people going to college, but when the study was done, I believe a few years ago, um, it did say that 88% of millionaires did graduate from college. So, but the encouraging thing is they did not necessarily go to the fanciest school and almost two thirds went to uh, a public state school. So these are all things for you guys to consider. The odds are not stacked against you. There is plenty of time to make this happen. And really the way to do it is to consider, okay, is there an opportunity for me to um, invest more in myself and my career to make sure that I have an income that provides six figures and above? Um, I mean, like I said, it's not necessary because one in three millionaires never made more than hundred grand, but you do look at the average um, jobs that these people have, and they are engineers, accountants, teachers, attorneys. So how can you invest in yourself to increase your income? How can you diligently reduce your expenditures? Are you um, paying a lot in rent when you could get a roommate? Are you renting when you could be buying an entry-level condo or home? Um, do you have a large car payment or are you considering buying a car outside your budget when you could buy something used that's still very nice? Um, and then how are you compounding the difference? What type of consistent strategy do you have in place where automatically, or you have a program that you know every week, month, and year, you're buying certain stocks, you're investing in real estate, you're investing in whatever it is to grow your wealth. So that, my friends, is how to become a millionaire. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.